Soul Talk Podcast is your guide to all things wellness. Join me, your host Carla, as I take you through the many topics and questions that we need to be asking ourselves to improve our health and lifestyles. From food for medicine to women's health hormones and understanding our menstrual cycles, let's get the conversation started today. It begins with us. Welcome to episode 15. I'm delighted to have Kieran from Natural Resilience on the, the podcast to talk about really um, a lot of things, but um, mostly we, we spent probably about the first 40 minutes talking about um, the work that he does, um, talking about resilience, fear, the art of living. Kieran is a, um, a facilitator for men's circles and um, he also does a lot of uh, outdoor work in nature with men and his work is fascinating and it was an absolute pleasure to have him on. Um, from 40 minutes onwards, we kind of talk a little bit about Cambo. Uh, Kieran is now a Cambo practitioner and we talk about Cambo from its healing perspective, but also its ethical perspective as well. So it was really great to to just have a, a nice big long chat with with Karen over a cup of coffee. So enjoy the episode. Uh, there's some notes in the in the in the notes section about some stuff that Karen recommends and how you can find them online. So enjoy. All right. So welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think we will maybe just start by you telling us a wee bit about like what you've been up to natural resilience and um the the work that you do i was initially drawn as i said to you um earlier to your work with your men's circles and and all that and i know you do much more than that but that's kind of what drew me into you so um tell me a wee bit about your work and your passions and like where it all stems okay. from okay so my name's kieran may and i own natural resilience and it was formed in the uh, lockdown. And for me, I've, I've always found nature very healing. I've always been up the mountains, into the sea. It's, it's been a big part of my journey. And not, you know, I don't want to get into COVID, but when everyone was locked down, I thought it was very, very important that we still went out into nature and connected with each other. Mm-hmm. So that that's what kind of drew me to set it up. I suppose, I suppose how it happened was... I, I was based at the time in Exile Gym in Dunmurray and a young fella there, Robbie, took his own life. He was only 19 and it really, really touched me. And in and around that time, I used to take his mates, kind of because one of his mates did it um, just before him and one tried just after. Uh-huh. So I used to take that wee group of the remaining friends, the Wallace Park in the mornings around this time of year and we used to run around the, the grass in our bare feet in the snow. Wow. And <laughs> But kind of, yeah, it was. It was actually very tough. Your feet became numb. You know, it was almost like burning, a burning cold. But we decided when we arrived, we're going to do 12 lengths. I think that was a kilometre, a mile, whatever it was. And they all took their flip-flops or sliders, they called them off, and we ran. But they had to run past them. They had to run past their flip-flops each time. And when we did the 12 lengths, I was just saying to them, like, you could have took the easy way out at any point there. But... Life is going to happen sometimes. You can't just hit the exit button. You know, you have to build up a bit of resilience to life. Suicide isn't the answer, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's how Natural Resilience started. It was in nature. It was trying to build resilience among young people to, I suppose, go against another pandemic, which is very prevalent in Belfast, which is suicide and mental health. Um, and then I kind of wanted to make it bigger and more official to, I suppose, to try and help more people. And it started, it started, um, I started doing workshops in Crawford's Burn Scout Centre. And the first ones were exclusively for men. And for the only, the only reason being, it was all inspired by me, Robbie. Um, we did a big men's one in November, for Movember. And it was a former Royal Marine, a friend of mine, Marty Stalker, who's now a film director for Netflix. He helped me set it up. And it was all about looking at what, I suppose, why why is the suicide rate amongst men in Northern Ireland one of the highest in Europe? There, there has to be something. 
and I think a lot of it was to do with like programming and, and people's patterns, particularly young men here. Uh, so what we're looking at, I suppose, how, how do we go about it with them being open to it? We can't be too early furry. We have to tap into their masculinity. We have to tap, tap into, into that macho side. We can't go all in and start talking about emotions and feelings, albeit we wanted to do that too. So we everything we've done, we tried to have another side of it. So we used to get them abseil and blindfolded um, and then talked about effective communication, how they couldn't get up or down the, the abseil and tower without speaking to their teammates, the importance of communicating when you're feeling stressed or frustrated. Uh, we used to practice, get them to practice like meditation and breath work, but again, get them into the cold sea to put it into practice. Um, and the... Uh, into like caves where it was dark and confined spaces and I suppose you know touch on that like frustration and fear and again start to start to go in amongst the armor and talk about emotions and the, the feedback was amazing and then I ended up doing you know with mixed sex ones and my wife was doing women's only ones and it just really progressed from there but that I continue to do the likes of men's circles Mm -hmm. um, yesterday I actually had a group of men we were doing like resilience training on the mornings we're up in the snow and getting them into the cold ice pools after and I think the knock-on effect of that is I think I think at this age I've came to the conclusion that it's not about learning new things it's about unlearning a lot yeah. and I think one of the one of the things we have to unlearn is that people think self-care is selfish where in actual fact it's very selfless because those men yesterday will now go home to their other halves and their friends or their kids and and inspire them and their mm -hmm. family will buzz off them. You know, they've left any aggression or any anger or any frustration on the mountains and yeah. spent the day in nature with other like minded men and, mm -hmm. and all those people around them will benefit from it. Yeah. It's the same as same as the women that do your work, you know, they're they're coming away, they've bettered themselves, but all those around them will benefit from it too. So mm -hmm. I always think this work is very important and very selfless. Anyone that goes on a, a self-development journey or a day or a workshop, it's very selfless of them yeah. as opposed to selfish. I, that's the thing, like people are so afraid to invest in themselves. Yeah. You know, they're so afraid to be seen to be giving up their time or and money and or money um, to look after themselves when they, oh, I should be spending that on the kids or I should be, yeah. you know, doing this or doing that. Um, but it's so important. It's, like, it's fatally important. Yeah, yeah. I always say you can't pour from an empty cup, and um, I always say as well, like if like I'm trying to squeeze a wee yoga class in before I, I do something, and um, you know, it's maybe like I'm gonna be late to dinner or something like that. I'm like, trust me, I'm a nicer person when I do yoga, so just let me go and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it. just let me do my thing, and I'll see you when I'm there. Um, but yeah, and um. So it must be hard to work with the men because, like, you know, obviously you're a man, so you, you get it a lot more. But from my experience, women can, not all women and not all men, but typically speaking, a lot of a lot of the people who I, I would work with, um, the women do seem a lot more open and emotional and... Um, even like when I teach yoga, it would be mostly women and stuff. Um, so how do you how do you kind of how do you work with them and kind of helping them to open up and breaking down those barriers? Yeah, I think I think again one of the things we we'll have to unlearn is we've been told our whole lives that things are linear. Do you know it's a straight line from A to B, whereas really it's doing this type of work. It's multi-dimensional. I think I think there's all sorts of different elements to it. I think men like women. But men's patterns and programs have, have been, you know, from a young age, boys don't cry, mm -hmm. get up and get on with things, man up. So the f I, I know my father was like that. And I'm assuming there's a lot in this generation was the same. But I also think, I think that prevents them from, I, I think they, they almost become too resilient or they, they grow like calluses over their hearts and they become hardened to life. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Different aspects of that are, you know, they go into like football teams, boxing clubs, against male dominated and shown any form of weakness or vulnerability can't be done essentially. Mm -hmm. So again, it's all things they've learned throughout their childhood and the teenage years into becoming a young man. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of men work in male-dominated roles where again it's showing any form of weakness or vulnerability seen as being soft or seen as being weak uh, but then I also think that you know there's this greater aspect of I do think I, I do think the term toxic masculinity is thrown about too much I think I think it, it's actually counterproductive to men opening up what does it mean toxic masculinity well, this this is the thing I, I, I don't know I don't know I've spoke I've spoke to women about this recently because I believe in certain universal laws one of them being the law of polarity so that there's the opposite of everything yeah and therefore if toxic masculinity exists then there's toxic femininity and on yeah. what do both mean I think in any healthy relationship there's a good balance and a good mixture of both so I suppose from a straightforward point of view it's maybe somebody having too much masculine energy and there's difference in the yin and the yang and the masculine and feminine um I, I can see where, where people will disagree, you know, and the reality is there is so many women out there have been the, the victims of domestic abuse by men, mm. and I've had family members the same, but there's also, I just think, I think that term and terminology is counterproductive, I think men, or even how they're portrayed in certain shows, the likes of The Simpsons and The Family Guy, that the male or the dad's always like an overweight buffoon, like a drunk. <laughs> Um, I think our Western society, and I'm talking about here, just, you know, I, I love studying different like tribes around the world. And I think when a boy becomes a man in different parts of society, the whole community come together and it's celebrated. Mm-hmm. It's like we're out celebrating this boy is now becoming a man. He has the chance to, you know, inspire and lead himself, respect himself, love others, not be a good person, a good father. Whereas here, we, we take our sons to pubs. And get them drunk, and it begins their journey of masking any emotion with alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. So, I think I think there's so much different layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just take the approach that I think I think for me when I started this journey, there was so many amazing things being done by women for women, and I have a wife and a daughter and a son. But I think it's great to have both. Yeah, you know, there's women's only yoga, women's only retreats, women's only workshops. And as you said, I think women are better at sitting down with other women and talking about how they feel. I think men probably traditionally only did that when they were drunk in, in bars. So I really wanted to have something for men to come to where it, it wasn't too early furry. It was quite tangible, you know, and that's that's how the men's circles kind of progressed where we got in guest speakers, you know, athletes. The whole key was just opening up and providing mm-hmm. a safe space for men to open up about their struggles too and it ranged from everything to you know anger issues addiction um abandonment too you know men have been affected by the same shit as women's been affected and i think for a lot of those men once they seen other people opening up they thought i'm fuck, i'm normal you know all the shit i'm going through an experience is quite normal if there's 10 12 15 other men going through the same stuff and I think it provided them with a, like a springboard or an opportunity to, to delve into that. We spoke about what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And also one of, one of the, the big points I wanted to, to get across was that in vulnerability lies true strength. So yeah. we all have weaknesses. We all have a shadow side. We all have, we all have bits where we need to improve on. But to, to improve as a human being, you need to uh, firstly be aware of that and then to start addressing it. So... Yeah, I think, I mean, there. I suppose traditionally it, it hasn't happened, but it, it seems to be more and we groups are propping up and it's becoming more popular and long may it continue. I, think I hope it does. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very healthy. Yeah. I have a son who's eight and I, I, I hug him every day, you know, tell him I love him every day. Um, I also bring him up and light fires in the wilderness and cook over it. So, you know, I just want to have things from a different aspect of yeah. him and, and, and try a different way of parenting, I suppose. and. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very important work as, as we move forward in, in really uncertain times mm-hmm. to have strong men and strong women yeah. ideally down the line coming together mm-hmm. in strong relationships. You know, both both people um, respecting themselves, comfortable in themselves, you know, aspiring to their own goals and then when they come together it can be quite special and yeah. kids will only ever benefit from that. Yeah. Um, no, the work, that work's amazing and I, I do like... You know, not to say that like 
us women, we do we do deserve all the women's circles and everything that's out there. But men need it too. And the world needs men and women both to have it, you 100%. know. Um, kind of what you're saying there. And, you know, it might be slightly off topic or maybe slightly dark. Or it might just be kind of part of it. But it can just make me think mm-hmm. of, like, the, all the, the education of, like, uh, shaming women who are, who are, have experienced rape or mm-hmm. you know sexual abuse oh well you shouldn't have wore that short skirt or that sort of thing and how we're actually trying to rewire men yeah and and how they you know so like just when you're talking about toxic masculinity and 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 helping men to release trauma from their childhood and and that sort of thing because that's ultimately what can lead to those mm-hmm. those scenarios. Um, I loved what you said about it's more about unlearning than learning more. Um, because yeah, like particularly here where we're from and all over the world really, but you know, children are a product of their parents, and they and these 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 men and women. We grow up and and we're what we think we should be because of what our mummy and daddy said and you know what society thinks and and all this and then we carry all these core beliefs and they're actually not ours. Exactly. You know. So. It's an illusion. It's yeah. Just, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, they're not ours at all. They're our mummies or daddies mm-hmm. or you know, and our parents. You know, my parents have come through the troubles in Northern Ireland and stuff. You know obviously they could be very bitter and you could understand and you could understand all angles of it but at the same time that's not my thing that's their thing so it's just unlearning um so yeah but um what about so talk to me a wee bit about the word resilience i love that i love the word resilience sorry i it's resilience it comes from an old Latin word, which basically translates to the ability to bounce back. Mm. When you're resilient, you have, it's it's like those young kids, when you're down, you're not broke, you, you bend. Do you know what I mean? Resilience is the ability to bounce back. And, and this is the thing, and I think this is where people go wrong when they're on a self-development journey. They think, that's me fully healed. I'm amazing. I'm this big ray of light. And then life happens, and they go, ah, oh, fucking back to square one. But... Life will always happen, there's always ebbs and flows and when things get down or you, you, you come across loss or fear or sadness, which is very normal, is to be able to say, okay, I've got this, you know, I, I might have to take a few weeks to slow down, to, to almost go into like a hibernation and look after myself, but I will be back, you know, mm-hmm. for me that's resilience. Resilience is just knowing that when when things get really hard, you can get pick yourself back up. Yeah. And dust yourself down and, and move on with life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I think I th- people people sometimes think it's it's almost too militaristic. Resilience, resilience, resilience. But to me, it's a very important human trait, mm-hmm. and it's also one that can be developed. You know, you can develop your resilience just by regularly popping outside of your comfort zone. And again, it's nothing drastic. You don't have to jump in freezing cold lakes and all to improve your resilience. Resilience can be something like this, sitting down and having a cup of tea with somebody you've never met before and being open to having an open, honest conversation. It's it's things that you maybe haven't done before. A conversation, looking somebody in the eye, it can be small things, but it can be developed. And I think it ties into a lot with discipline. And for me, for me, discipline is the ultimate form of self-love because we all know what's good for us. We all know what's good for a healthy relationship with another person with ourselves, we all know what foods we should eat and avoid, what substances we should take and avoid, and yet what people regularly fall off the wagon. Discipline is what prevents that. So mm-hmm. discipline for me is the ultimate form of self-love. But I think people shy away from using the words resilience and discipline because we've come into an age where you know it's politically correctness and we have but I, I genuinely believe that it's a really important human mm-hmm. trait to have mm-hmm. for our own psyche and it's resilience I mean, the past two, three years, however long this has gone on now, it's it's what we've all had to be. We've all had to be resilient. We've all, um, we've all went through massive changes and uncertainty. And I think the collective resilience has shown through. And people at a personal level, 
obviously a lot of people have struggled mentally, but I think a lot of people have discovered how resilient they can be. Yeah. Which which is good. Yeah. You know, it's it's it is a positive trait in my eyes. It is. I I think it's very important. Like I've noticed some stuff in my own personal life, um, in terms of like you know, family and you know, noticing my reactions, mm-hmm. maybe just reacting completely differently from what I would have before, you know, like water off a duck's back. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. This is working. <laughs> this is bloody great. I'm, yeah, this is fabulous. So, um, and for me, it's been, you know, as you know, I'm a big journaler and I love to write all my thoughts down. And um, so for me, it's probably journaling and um, going to like, you know, cacao ceremonies and circles of women and yoga um meditation having a morning routine i was doing the cold water swimming for a while and um, i haven't in a few months though but i do do the cold water therapy with the shower every day um it's getting colder obviously. i'm addicted to it there's my barley and my <gasps> yeah no way love it. love it that's amazing that's amazing um the cold water therapy's really helped me with some information and stuff mm-hmm. um from like compared to this time last year and um yeah so it is amazing but um the other thing i was going to ask you about was boundaries uh-huh. so um i almost forgot there so <laughs> when you talk about discipline uh-huh. you talk about like um knowing what's good for you and, and that sort of thing for me um boundaries is a, a big keyword that's like been popping up you know you talk about um well people talk about synchronicity mm-hmm. um i'm just noticing boundaries is being mentioned everywhere i go and it's i know it's a little message for myself um do you do any work with with boundaries building boundaries and and that sort yeah, of thing i think boundaries is really really important if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna work well i'm speaking from a personal point of view i know recently i've had to address this where um I've probably been, you, you said earlier, but you can't pour from an empty cup. I've taken on clients and then sometimes in a, like an emotional attachment builds up where you really want to help that person. And then it might gradually turn into like taking calls or messages in the evening. For me, when that starts to happen, I end up tired. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. if I have clients texting at night, if I'm, I'm putting too much into it because I'm a firm believer that only ourselves can can heal and help ourselves. People can inspire us, and people can kind of walk along that journey with us for a while. Yeah. Um. But that's been a boundary for me, where I've had to step back and say, right, okay, you know what? We'll have her face to face here, and should at a should something arise, by all means, phone or text. Mm-hmm. But we can't fall into the routine of. Yeah. And when I've done that, any time I've put boundaries up, I've, I have always been benefited. Mm-hmm. And I think again, a societal thing is, um, say parents, for example have caused us an awful lot of anguish that whether your parents, you have to forgive them, you have to get on with things. Yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes on occasion, boundaries have to be put up within the family, within friendships, even within relationships. I think, I think boundaries, if you imagine that we are like an energetical being, the boundaries is what keeps that energy in, yeah. I think, as opposed to giving too much of it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's so many dimensions to it. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody that works one-on-one with people boundaries are very important you know physical emotional even sexual you know you have mm-hmm. to be you have to be professional you have to always respect other people where they're coming from um i i, I think it's probably not talked about enough i think if you do work with with people mm-hmm. you, there's always there's always that subconscious element of of both your boundaries yeah and i think people test your boundaries at times without even knowing mm-hmm. you know they'll poke and again it's human reaction you look at a kid for example they will always poke to see what they can get away with and i think sometimes that goes into adulthood people will people will try and see what they can get away with with you and it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's awareness right. it's just having i'm that laughing awareness. because because uh, um yeah like i'm i'm feeling it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's that's good because then yeah. you have an awareness of what's going on yeah. and, and because I think when you don't have the awareness and it happens, sometimes it's too late and mm-hmm, then you go, mm-hmm. I have a long road to, to backtrack from here yeah. to, to put this up. 
But once you have the awareness, and you you will get wee subtle hints yeah. or synchronicities that it needs to happen, and I think preempt it as opposed to react to it sometimes. Yeah. You know. And um, probably like if you, when you actually get to the root of issues with people, or um, you know, when you when you help them to bring their their issues to light and stuff. As you say, you can guide them and give them the, t- the tools, but ultimately they, you know, yeah. discover you, you things You don't want themselves. people leaning on you because then yeah. they, will, they will look at you as the answer. Yeah. They will look at yeah. you to the... Well, to I made a, this decision because yeah. you told me to yeah. or something, you and know. You've solved all my problems. Funny thing that comes up, I'm going to come to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and the reality is we can only help ourselves, you know. Yeah. You can give somebody the best advice in the world, but essentially if they're not willing to do the work themselves, then it's irrelevant. Yeah, and I always actually say to like my friends and stuff, um, you know, it's nice to have even in your personal life to have wee chats with your mates and, you know, that sort of thing, like a wee fitting session and, and all that. But I always say, don't ever take my advice or yeah. anybody's advice. It's your thing. You have to make the decision, you know what I mean? And and probably like when you when you do your work with like your your men's circles and and all the other bits that you do you you probably would a high percentage of the time discover that the reason why they need you the reason why they need to come to your your workshops and all of that is because throughout their lives not only have they not um not only have they enabled other people's core beliefs with themselves but they've not been setting boundaries. They've been over caregiving or they've been, you know, um, they've just, their life's really not been their own or they've had trauma or or that sort of thing, you know, from childhood or through growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really do think boundaries is like, I mean, it's prevalent in my life at the minute, but I do think it's massive. Yeah, and it's multidimensional. Again, it could be, it could be boundaries with friends. You know, they yeah. expect you at the weekend to go yeah. out drinking with them or, or taking coke or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. a lot of men I work with, actually, it's they've fallen into that pattern of they work their balls off Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. so much so that on Saturday that they feel as if they need a blowout. So they're searching for that short-term gratification through drinking drugs and then mm-hmm. what goes up must come down. So Sunday they're melted. Monday it just starts to cycle over again. And and what the good thing is a lot of them are waking up and thinking, hey, this, this isn't my life. This isn't yeah. the life I want. Yeah. And that's always a hard point to, to come to in realisation. But, you know, sometimes boundaries can be with your closest friends. They have to go, well, actually, I'm, I'm spending this weekend with my kids or mm-hmm. with the boss. I'm not working 12-hour shifts all week or... Yeah. Yeah. With whatever it may be, we're always coming into any person you come into contact will have their own boundaries, mm-hmm. and they will test yours, and you will test theirs, and and I think I I, I practice NLP in your linguistic programming, oh, yeah? yeah, and I think it's twelve percent of our communications done through just through verbal. The rest is like body language and postures and those subconscious ways of boundaries and that oh too. My God, so you're totally reading me right now. I'm really aware now of my body language. <laughs> <laughs> Says me eating biscuits. Um, no. It's um yeah, but boundaries is it's we are a species, aren't we? The hum- mm. humans are a species. Therefore, we come into contact with other members of that that tribe mm-hmm. daily, weekly, monthly, and. Yeah, we're, we're, we're constantly, there, there's big boundaries, there's boundaries that, you know, society has told us, there's boundaries that we know in our gut, there's, there's moral boundaries, and it's, I suppose it's, it's knowing what's right, isn't yeah. it, and doing what's right. Yeah, and like, you know, how do you know, you kind of just need to take a step back, yeah. um, and, and I don't know, observe, like, one thing for me has been, um, noticing, um, feeling really anxious after being around certain people which is like been a really new um awareness practice for me because I I used to just take that at face value and be like oh I feel really like oh oh, oh." you know because I would I would be um I'm a very like bubbly outgoing like ball person but (laughs) I would also be I would also feel very anxious sometimes um and maybe that's because I'm so like give so much of myself, you know, the energy out there. 
Um, so just noticing, um, wow, I just spent time with that person who is like a key person in my life. Why do I feel like this? Mm-hmm. And then I'll journal and journal and journal and, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. all right. And a lot of times those people won't even know that they're making you feel like that or taking some of your energy. No. Other times people do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it all comes back to awareness. Yeah. And we are, we are... Like we are beings of energy essentially. And I know yeah. some people can find that oh, that's too hippie-ish for me, but even in modern times, you've got these great, you know, personal development coaches like Sir Bob Proctor or not, and they all talk about whether it's Proctor or Tony Robbins who they all talk about raising your vibration. That's essentially the law of attraction, isn't it? You know, yeah. there's books on it, there's movies on it. Einstein talk about it, you know, he was saying that energy can't be created or destroyed, but it's always moving, so it, yeah. it is very real. Mm-hmm. It is very real, and I agree. I think it's a great way to to see who's taken from you without depositing anything back in. It's, it's how yeah. there's, there's people I have a five-minute conversation with, and I feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. And there's people I'll have a, a chat with, and I feel refreshed, ready to take on the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I suppose, it's, I suppose it's, it's trying to keep your circle close and small, with people that make you feel good about yourself right. and, and then you inspire each other. Mm-hmm. It's and it's and hard, it's a hard practice, especially if those people are your parents or, mm-hmm. you know, your best friends, you know, yeah. as you said um, before, and we've had a conversation before and we even started recording um, today, you know, you do, you, you start to notice that you've less in common with people who you've had stuff in common with all your life. And, I, I really actually think that's quite special because human evolution is a very natural thing. You know, we're always evolving. We're always, well, it would be much more scarier to stay the same than to change. Definitely. One of so, my favourite, one of my heroes has, has always been Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And he'd said that if you're the same person at 50 as you were at 20, you've wasted 30 years of your life. Mm. We are meant to change. Yeah. You know, we're meant to grow and evolve. It's, it's, it's true. And I look at people into their 30s and they're still partying like they're 19 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. almost like the years are missing out so much I know. but again their mindset is they think oh everyone should be here partying for days it's yeah. just i've made massive changes in my life but i've, I've never been happier yeah do you know what i mean and it's yeah. it's just going with what's good for you yeah and tapping into that and um, so how do we look on your website uh-huh. obviously um i love the the headline was what is your biggest fear? What is holding you back from living your life? Do you want to learn the art of living? Mm-hmm. So obviously fear is a is a massive thing mm-hmm. in in all of our lives. Yeah, we're it's we're very, all it's real. It's an, it's, a, yeah. it's an emotion, it's real. Fear fear exists. Yeah. And um it manipulates our behaviour and, and our feelings and emotions and, and how we live our lives basically. Um talk to me a wee bit about um if if it's something that you're happy to talk about yeah. um kind of like working through fear with your groups and workshops mm-hmm. and tell me about the the art of living okay so the art the art of living for me was that <clears throat> I, I remember like studying different books about humanity and the progression of humanity about how we've evolved but the big, the big question was, have we lost more than what we've gained? Mm-hmm. So as as a civilization now, we have, you know, we've built skyscrapers and airplanes and we have got so, so comfortable. You, your house is cold, you hit a button, heat comes on. You know, people people don't cook for themselves a lot. Some people order food or, you know, pre-prepare food. or a lot comfort, 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 comfort-seeking animals. But mm-hmm. we have this amazing technology now which is great it obviously has so many benefits the shadow side of that i suppose and the question then what have we lost well i think a lot of people have lost the power of conversation i think we've lost connection i think i think we've lost getting out in nature and there's some people and, and god love them and i think it's i think it's really bad it's like some people wake up in the morning exhausted and maybe haven't got a good night's sleep because they've been stressed they wake up and go i have to go back to my job today so drinking coffee to get some form of energy they will have like a, a sugary cereal, sit and watch 
mind-numbing, fear-inducing news on the TV. They'll go and sit in front of a computer all day for 10 hours. I don't watch the news anymore. I haven't watched it since COVID, and it's, it's been great in itself. That's People say to me, how are you really, Oh my God, are same. you so positive during this? And <laughs> turn off the news. <laughs> yeah. Turn off the news. People say to me, um, did you hear about, you know, like people love negativity. Uh-huh. Did, did you, my granny, God love her, I was on the phone to her the other day. And like, you know what older people are like? Like, they like the, you know, did you hear about such and such? Did you hear about uh-huh. this? Did you hear about that? Did you hear about um, something that happened on the news um, the other day? And I said, no, what? No, God, no, I didn't hear. What? Do you not watch the news? This is all I get. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't. Oh, it's a, it's, that would be my number one tip for people struggling during lockdown mm-hmm. is get off the news. Yeah. Get off the news and watch. I actually spoke to a historian recently and they said that during the war and the blitz, the government didn't release the daily death figures mm-hmm. but because they didn't want to induce fear. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas. Mm-hmm. No, it's just fear, fear, fear. And when you look at group, group psychology, how you can direct a group to act a certain way is through fear. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, fear, fear, fear is a very real human emotion. That was Darwin, he went in about, he said that emotions in humans were what basically allowed us to survive as a species. Mm-hmm. So uh, fear kept us alive. Obviously, mm-hmm. we weren't always these big technophobe people mm-hmm. where we were once prey to other predators and we had to when we look at like the physiological thing that happens inside our body with fear fight or flight kicks in and our, mm-hmm. our breathing becomes faster our heart beats faster and it gives us almost superhuman strength mm-hmm. to get out of the way or to run or to fight or to freeze um the problem now is even though we're so comfortable we are still experiencing fear for prolonged amounts of time and you know we're no longer being hunted by saber-toothed tigers or whatever it was mm-hmm. but there's now more people but in the world health organization have said it there's more people suffering with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and stress chronic stress yeah. than there ever has been yeah um so for me fear is fear is being catastrophized and it's all in the mind you know you can come across something like a car traveling at you at speed and you'll experience a bit of fear but fear people are living in fear mm-hmm. all the time and that's where I wanted that art of living to come in, whereas people get out of, the, out of their head and into their heart space or out of their head and into nature and yeah. start simplifying things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we looked at is how we, for example, one of the ones we do is like a leap of faith zip line, get people to climb up like a big telegraph pole and, and you're stepping off, which is not normal. You're stepping off in the thin air. There's a big drop and the zip line brings you across through the forest. <laughs> but... People will catastrophize it before they even get up. Yeah. They'll say, oh, I'm too heavy, or that's too thin. Are you sure these ropes work? And mm-hmm. they'll start catastrophizing, catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely, like the opposite for me, the opposite of fear is faith. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have faith in your in yourself, your own ability. Um, but I think fear is what holds people back for most in life. Fear yeah. of failure, fear of other people's opinions, you know, fear of loss. And, and it's normal to experience fear. We're both in the in the process of opening up a like a wellness centre in Lisburn and cleared That's out amazing. Yeah, can't wait. But cleared out savings, taken a loan. Yeah. If it doesn't work, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. We're doing it over the Christmas period when COVID and lockdown's here. Again, added pressure, but I just keep saying to myself that that mantra of feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Or faith over fear. So it's just it's it's all it's it's having the awareness in your mind and flipping it around. Yeah. You know, yeah. we do experience fear is normal. Yeah. Fear is normal, but what's not normal is living in fear. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. It's counterproductive. Totally, totally. And um Karen's wife has just come in. <laughs> so that's what he means about we are opening yes. the wellness yeah. centre. So me and Stacey. Stacey, how, how are, are you? You, you can uh-huh. say hello on the <laughs> <laughs> guest appearance. Guest appearance. Um and the art of living is um, the art. I remember reading a book called "The Art of Effortless Living." Have you ever read no. it? It's by Ingrid something. Um, I'll, have to check it out. I'll drop it over to you, and mm. you can have a look at it. Um, but it was quite. Um, it was more about like as you say, like simplistic living yeah. and um, kept reconnecting with nature and and that sort of thing. Um, I heard something yesterday though, which made me really think, and it, it was um, it was something about I 
think, was it in, it's in a documentary or something last night, um, although I think I fell asleep watching it, but it was about sim- living uh, simplistically mm-hmm. um, and not losing out on the creativity side of your yourself as well. So like um, having a more complex life in terms of discover and self-discovery mm-hmm. and that sort of thing is obviously very important. But I think for me anyway, that you you find those things in yeah. simple, simply, like simplistic living. Yeah, it's, it's the order amongst the chaos. Way. Once you go yeah. inwards, you find the order in amongst the chaos. Yeah. And for me, that art of living is just going back to like simple things. For example, I think we're all guilty of spending too much time on, on our phones. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing for me was I was saying to my kids, put, put their tablets down and go out and play. But then they were watching me on my phone. So I was like, right, I need, I need to remove that. But can all, we can all make wee minor improvements. And that's, that's one of the big things, like connection, for example. You could have a group WhatsApp of friends mm-hmm. and you could be in the depths of depression in a dark room, can't get out of bed and putting into the group WhatsApp laughing emojis. But yeah. you, you could be, you could be like we're losing the way I said about NLP being twelve percent speaking, you know, and that's how we communicate. Yeah. But do pick so much up in body language. Like if, if your best friend was come in here now and she was feeling really down, you would know. Mm-hmm. You would know by looking at her, her posture, her eyes, her breathing, how she's speaking. Mm-hmm. You would just pick up on it. But we're losing all those wee traits mm-hmm. that we have as humans because we're now become obsessed with on the phones and social media and mm-hmm. watching TV and. I genuinely, any, anyone that I've introduced to nature, whether it's mountains or the sea or says a walk in the park, it's it's worked wonders for them. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like mother nature's the ultimate therapist. Totally. Do you know what I mean? So you bring them there and your job's done. Yeah. Your job, nature, nature will take yeah. care of it. And Because you know yourself, like I'm sure you could say for, from yourself, like from your own perspective, it's not bullshit. You're not bullshitting people here. If you're feeling like crap, you'll put your coat on and go outside. And it works every time. And you'll feel better, yeah, you know. Works. Um, I think people just, yeah, as you say, like, can get so stuck in, even in their own minds that... Definitely. And, and God helps some people too. The thought of going outside, obviously, if people suffer mm-hmm. with anxiety and, and maybe different conditions, um, it's very hard for them. It's not just as easy... As um as it maybe would be for you yeah, and I. No, I um, agree. I actually had somebody like that during lockdown that developed a real severe social anxiety, mm-hmm. and how we worked through it slowly was they were afraid to leave the house, mm-hmm. and it was just to get them to go out into their back garden and stand mm-hmm. in the grass, barefoot for a while in the sun, and it's taken. It's almost becoming quite stoic, you know. It's taken those wee small wins when you can. There, there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and it says that man's last freedom is how he, re- how he reacts to any situation. And it was written by Viktor Frankl, who was a doctor of psychotherapy that was imprisoned in the Holocaust. So everything was taken from him, his family, his possessions, um, his liberty. And he kind of, off the, the back of reading a lot of like articles on stoicism and books on stoicism, he decided that you're not going to break me. I'm mm. going to still respect myself and... Um, I will react to you or I see fit, not what, what way you take me. And it's, it is becoming quite like that and thinking, well, if I'm locked down, what wee wins can I take? And, and that, that win for that for that lady was just standing outside her back garden. Yeah. And, and it was just getting those wee minor wins. Okay, you're afraid to go out and, and mingle with members of the public. Well, just go out by yourself and, and gradually built up. And I mean, so I was simple. speaking to her recently and she came to one of our group swims with a lot of people getting into the water and yeah. had, had a blast speaking to people yeah but it's it's again resilience you're down but you're not out yeah isn't it magical though to connect with like like-minded people like i love going to events and like even cacao sendia i love i'm loving my cacao ceremonies at the cacao minute it's beautiful isn't it mm-hmm. Um, so I go to them with um, MLO holds them mm-hmm. holds the space um, for men and women um, up in Cardiff and you should go sometime yeah I love cacao really really mm-hmm. lovely and it's a nice sharing circle and um, of course I always get really emotional <laughs> kind of bloody eyes out but um, 
but yeah, no, um, your work's amazing. I'd love to, um, I'd love to get to some of your, your yeah. stuff. Well, once the, this this wellness center, wellness hub, hopefully going to be up and running by the end of January amazing. in Lisbon, and the whole emphasis is on having it. Like Stacy does reflexology and Reiki and acupuncture. Mm-hmm. I do the mindset stuff and also that like the the acupuncture mm-hmm. and cup and a massage too. But we're gonna invite in like guest speakers and yoga teachers and mm-hmm. counselors and just yeah. have have it a, like a safe space for people to come in and you know we're gonna do the, the likes of the Campbell and plant medicine and that mm-hmm. as well. Just a lot of alternative holistic methods under one roof essentially. Yeah. That's, Amazing. That, that's goal, and so. do you know some uh, um some people I know actually say to me, do you know if there's any yoga classes in Lisburn? And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's really, really not. Lisburn's so, quite backwards yeah. city, and that's yeah. that's why I think this is this somebody has to mm-hmm. do it. I think, and like anything, once once one thing props up, there'll be yeah. loads. Look at Belfast now, it's everywhere, know, which is great. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Belfast, I remember growing up in Belfast, it was just all pubs and boogies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> coffee shops and yeah. you know, yoga centres and yeah. it's amazing to see. It is. Um no, I can't wait to get out and see it actually. Yeah, I'll have to have a, a launch opening and all that. Um and here, so tell me, last thing I wanna ask you, you mentioned it there. Um all that stuff's amazing and it kind of was the bulk of what I wanted um to talk to you about today because as I always say to, to most of my guests, there's probably at least one thing that you said today that's helped one person and that's really um why I do this podcast um talk to me a wee bit just to finish up um about Cambo so this is like a very brand new thing for me I only heard about it in Annalise's class like a few weeks ago and I was like, what's that? And she was like, how have you not heard of Cambo? Like, you know, and I was like, oh my God, no, I actually... Well, well it, it is very new and a lot of people haven't heard of it. And the reason being, up until about a year ago, there was only one Cambo practitioner in Northern Ireland, a friend of mine, Tom, who's, who's in his 60s and has been doing it for years. Um, and then there's been a bit of a resurgence in a lot of different plant medicines, cacao. You know, they're talking, they're, they're living a, now a psychedelic resonance. Um... Yeah, it's becoming very much to the fore. I think COVID again has played a big part to play. I think people are now starting to look outside of traditional pharmaceuticals, um, you know, whether that's painkillers or antidepressants for the answer. Mm-hmm. Campbell was my first introduction to plant medicine of, of any kind. And it had such a profound effect on me that I then went and became a, a trained practitioner myself. It's very, what I like about Campbell is it's very black or white. It's very you know, tangible. Um, I kind of jumped two feet into the whole plant medicine thing as part of my journey of self-discovery, I suppose, and, and went and, you know, did them all, whether it was ayahuasca or psilocybin, the, the, uh, the toad buffo that Mike Tyson refers to, and it's changed me completely as a, as a man, as a human being. But Campbell is, is tough. They call it the warrior medicine. Mm-hmm. It's a secretion from an Amazonian monkey frog. And that particular frog has no natural predators in the area. Therefore, it has no fear because it has no predators. And the shamans will go in and sing Icaros and, and the, the frogs come down under their arms and they get the secretion and they put it on the sticks and those sticks are sent out. Um, and what, what this, 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 the secretion contains is peptides. Mm-hmm. And you burn small gates on the skins through like a, an unscented incense stick. And the medicine's placed on, on the gates and enters the body via the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. And the peptides together, this, the same guy that kind of started looking at those peptides was an Italian scientist that also discovered serotonin, the happy hormone. So he got in big into these peptides because some of them crossed the, the blood-brain barrier. Um, and he had suggested that this, this Campbell secretion is the opposite of a poison. So if you poison the human body, toxins go into the cells and everything slows down whereas Campbell is like the antidote it pulls the toxins out of the cells so I'm a big believer in recent years reading like Gabor Mate's work and, and like the body holds a score and even different like esoteric books and stuff they all you know they all refer to muscle memory and the different traumas and stresses and that are held at even a cellular level so Campbell pulls all that all that toxic stuff out of 
out of us at a cellular level. Out of like your lymph nodes and stuff? Out, out of your very cells, you know, whether it's really good for people with addictions or that have suffered a lot of trauma, all, all that's still carried there. Okay. You know, pollution, excess, the Western diet, excess sugar. How on earth did they discover this came from frogs? <laughs> so there's different, there's obviously we all love a good story that, that their story, so to speak, is about a local shaman called Kampu, who... The indi- obviously where it comes from, the tribes, the Matsis tribe and that, they're quite indigenous and it can be, you know, 800 kilometers from a nearest hospital. Like Brazil and the Amazon is a huge, vast place. Um, there's there's different theories that it was the white man going in to meet them, that their antibodies didn't mix well with the indigenous antibodies. But the legend has, has it that he tried all these different modalities to heal people. Couldn't do it, so he took ayahuasca, went into the rainforest for three nights, and, and the spirit of ayahuasca told him that to help these people, you need to use the, the frog. And it has massive immune boosting properties. So Campo's Portuguese. It's obviously Brazil was colonized by Portugal. Campo translates in Portuguese the vaccine of the forest or jungle vaccine because it, it boosts your immune system. Um, but yeah, it's really... It's really powerful stuff. Okay. And again, there's a, there has a lot of fertility properties for women. Right. And women over there, over in the, in the tribe, use it for certainly boost for fertility and remove negative energy. The male warriors use it or the hunters use it because it gets rid of fear. But to me, it's, it's from working with it recently, it's, it's, it's quite masculine medicine. And whatever emotions are being repressed, and you see it a lot with working with Campbell women. There's a lot of like anger and frustration there, and a lot of times on underneath the anger and frustration, sadness, mm. and it's it's releasing all that. You know, a Campbell experience is very special, very tough. There's a lot of purging. It's a purge of medicine too. Mm-hmm. So you are you are pulling all that, that fear and anger and frustration and you know things that essentially shouldn't be in your body. You're pulling it out and into the bucket. Okay. Which um, can always be a scary thing. Oh, it's, it's Campo's so, tough. Yeah. Campo is very tough. Is um, it a one to one thing? So it can be both. It can be one to one, or you can have what's called a Campo circle, where you could have. You You'd know, probably feel safer in a Campo circle. Well, you? yeah, well, again, it's 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 pe- people's different mindsets. So I know people that don't like doing the Campo circles because they don't want to puke in front of other people. They'll uh-huh. think, oh no, I, but it does put you at your most vulnerable. You know, you can be. On your hands and knees, sweating, poking into a bucket. So, I think I watched a documentary about that before, but I didn't yeah. know what was Campbell. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's because, there's something on Netflix. It's it's from the shamans, like it's yeah, yeah. it's it's becoming a thing. I think a lot of that is, is going to become quite prevalent in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually spoke to that guy Tom after I went and did my practitioner's course. I was like, "What's your what's your view on all these practitioners popping up now?" Thinking that he might. Because he, in a way, I suppose, had it monopolised. You know, mm-hmm. he was the only guy doing it. And he was like, this is amazing. The day and hour we'll have more Campbell plant medicine practitioners in Northern Ireland yeah. than we do drug dealers. We'll be moving in the right <laughs> direction. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. People, people, the Western, the Westernized mind thinks it's bizarre or it's fucked up. Why are you, why are you injecting frog secretion into your skin and booking? Whereas that part of the world will probably go, why on earth? Are you sniffing cocaine up your nose or smoking cigarettes <laughs> or drinking way beyond access? Or mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to me, a, a, a lot has changed. And, and to me, the old way is mental. You know, yeah. and this, this camp is very healing. It's, it's, it's like a huge physical, emotional and mental reset after Campbell. It's just, it brings a lot of clarity. And I think we all suffer from overthinking and brain fog and because again the westernized modern life has its go 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 whereas this just brings us complete clarity focus um it's, it's amazing it's an amazing modality to use going forward particularly for addictions and that because the elephant in the room in my opinion is cocaine in, in this country especially Belfast if you go to a bar now and that's all you hear in the toilets and oh a lot God, of people yeah. can't go out for a pint without getting a bag of coke yeah and that is linked to so many bouts of depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. and again, like people own money to their own people. Seriously, it's it's just fucked up. It's crazy. It's just I I can't really I don't really fully understand that because I've never been 
that's not been my thing. But I have had people very close to me and that's been their thing. And I I try to understand it. And I, you know, you just wish you could shake someone. Yeah. But Addiction's it's, horrible. It's you know? horrible. And um, many, much of the time, they'll not even think that it's, that it's addiction. It's mm. just social, something yeah. that I do to socialise. Um, but it is very scary. Yeah, and again, this sounds harsh, but I would say a lot of times with addiction, it's just masking um, emotions and trauma that 100%. people are, are refusing to acknowledge. Yeah. You know, um, Gabor Mate, again, an amazing doctor who's who's kind of became the world lead on addictions. He described it as, you know, it's like short-term gratification that you know long-term is having a detrimental effect on your mm-hmm. physical and mental health, but you still do it. And then the brain develops that path of least resistance and it then looks for the drink or the coke to give you that mm-hmm. um, short-term comfort yeah. but of course with a lot of addicts if you go back in their timeline there will be traumatic events that they have repressed as opposed to dealing with and, and the addiction is almost an escape from that mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah Definitely. Thinking that this is the easy way, it's easier to drink and forget about it, it's easy to, easier to sniff and forget about it. Yeah, because it's numbing. Yeah, it numbs of course. You. It numbs your emotions, it, yeah. it numbs your feelings, your memories. Yeah. Your... Or it gives you a false high. Yeah. You know, yeah. but with, like, inwards work and working on yourself is always can always be very difficult because to do it to the best of your ability, you have to be brutally honest with yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of maintain that integrity. But long term, it's always worth it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And... Is the combo ethically safe? Like, is it ethical? Uh-huh. You know, in terms of like the frogs mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. I mean, you because you would say a wee bit about. Obviously, I've only learned about combo recently, but there would some people don't agree with it because mm-hmm. of you know you're you're taking stuff from the frog and mm-hmm. you know obviously it's a form of probably hunting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say about that? So this actually came up on the course and the shaman that was taking the course spoke about this. Okay. And because there is images on the internet of, of frogs being tied up by, by strings. Yeah, I've seen that. And it, they, they can't move and then the secretion's taken from them. And what I respect it was, he says, I want to address this because you, you have to be aware of it. That mm-hmm. He was very... He was very passionate about this and he, he he said that the area of the forest where the rainforest or the jungle where the frogs live it's hundreds of kilometers long you know great britain and ireland could fit into this area tenfold right have no natural predators and that's why when they go in they they're nocturnal animals and, and when the, the shamans and the locals go in, in the morning time and sing these songs so they live in the treetops they can't be hunted you can't climb up and hunt them. They sing their songs and they come down. And they come down willingly and land on them. Now, some tribes practice with, with tying them by bits of string to get it out as opposed to holding them and rubbing it on the stick. Yeah. But the, this shaman said that even after that, they hang about. Do you know, it's almost as if they're not they're not distressed or they're not in fear. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would run away and bolt back into the trees, but they kind of hang about. Okay. Um, and that this has been used for hundreds and hundreds of years it's, and they're almost willingly supplying this secretion. Again, I don't know 100%, I've never, I've never been to the Amazon, but they were, I'm, I'm part of the Cambo Practitioner Alliance, which kind of based themselves on ethically sourcing mm-hmm. Cambo sticks and they source them directly from the, a tribe called the Matsis. The, the lead guy in that alliance has visited the, the tribe several times and he's happy that it's been done ethically. And as part of being in that alliance, you actually have to agree to only use combo provided by that tribe okay. because it is ethically sourced. Um, and that funny, now coming at December and January, you can't get combo sticks because it's mating season with the frogs. Oh. So they allow them to mate. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm satisfied that it's been done ethically by them. They're, you can't always get them. You know, it's not, they're not being mass produced. They, yeah. they will take them from the frogs that come down, but mm-hmm. you can't keep them in captivity. Otherwise, they don't, the secretion isn't the same. Yeah, so they're all living wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I understand people's 
because it is something new and there is that image on the internet of the frog being yeah. tied up by the string that it's yeah. it's a very viable question mm-hmm. but I think that alliance has taken the steps to to provide only ethically sourced Cambo and I suppose when something does become popular well we'll see it in the likes of Sage and Palo Santo which yeah. is used that you know Palo Santo for example was only ever taken from dead Palo Santo trees mm-hmm. um, same as sage it was grown ethically but now because of this big resurgence in holistic methods they're now cutting down more than they're growing and yeah. but it's it's always it's always trying to i suppose source ethically produced goods and and yeah. that's what we're doing with this alliance so it's always coming directly from the trade members good good that makes me happy yeah makes me happy i wouldn't mind trying it yeah i mean i'll probably be well the thing is so <laughs> there to me there's an energy exchange and everything yeah and it would be counterproductive to use Cambo on somebody that has been unethically sourced. There would be a bad yeah. energy attached to it. Yeah. And if that's if that's going into someone and, and kind of they're going through a process with it, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be right. Um, and that's that's a lot of lads kind of you know touched upon on the course and um, yeah, it's I mean I am happy to use this one coming directly from the trade members. Okay. The guy. Lewis that, that runs the alliance has shown us different videos of him going into the jungle with the shamans and yeah and coming down willingly under their arms and yeah wow i love a wee frog life <laughs> i know but actually yeah. that's that's one of my goals is to get over and actually yeah visit visit good. one day maybe they're here. giant giant what frogs giant monkey frogs so like how big are they that's maybe your hand big, yeah Amazing. Mm-hmm. I went to, um, I visited the Daintree rainforest wow. in um, Australia when I was traveling over Amazing. there. And um, we used to go out during the night when it was pitch black because the frogs all came out mm-hmm. just to sit, just to look at them. They were massive. And um, we used to just walk about the rainforest and like, oh, class. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, class, really, really good to chat to you. Um, just to finish up, mm-hmm. would there be any advice that you'd like to? Uh, no, not advice. We don't give advice. Would there be <laughs> any sort of um, inspiration or anything you'd like to share with anyone who might be going through a bit of a difficult time, or um, who you know maybe a book that you'd like to recommend, mm-hmm. or just anything at all just to, to close up and then tell us um how we can find you online and yeah. how people can get in touch i think i think it's i think the message probably changes all the time but i think i think we are in strange times with covid aren't we yeah so, and there is a lot of people getting really annoyed at the prospect of more lockdowns and that coming and going against what what they're being told by the government and i have to be very careful what i say but i think particularly at Christmas this time of year, it's really important to connect with people. You know, don't lock yourselves away. Like, it, it's it's fatally important that you do visit loved ones and you can do it safely. Do you know what I mean? It's, to me, human connection is very important. I think I think that's where a lot of people went wrong was because they, they're, again, through fear or, or, or to protect other family members. But if you can do it safely, do connect with loved ones, do yeah. connect with friends. Um, and connect with the people, the yeah. ones that make you feel good. Connect with yourself. Keep connect your with, boundaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> connect, with, connect with nature. And do you want to know what? Like, we're not birds. We don't need to hibernate. Yeah. If if we only got out in sunny days in this country, we'd get out about twelve days a year. Yeah. Like, put your coat on. But the thing with Northern Ireland is, it's quite rural. You know, within we're sitting here in Lisburn, there's Wallace Park, there's the Black Mountain, mm-hmm. there's there's so many beautiful places to get the head short. Mm-hmm. Like really with no excuse, Helen's Bay is a 25 minute drive that way, you've locked me that way. There's so much beautiful places where you can get out for a walk, a run, um, you know, if, if it's with a friend over a coffee, do those things. Um, Christmas is a time where people do, do get a wee bit of stress. There's the financial thing, there's some Christmas is sometimes a sad time for people. Again, it's having that resilience to think, what do you want to know what? I, I would always say to people, use the symbology of it. It's the end of one year and the beginning of the next, you know. So what does that mean for you? Sit there and maybe journal in years, even years day and think, well, who and what served me well this year and who and what didn't and make a conscious decision to, to take what served you well into 2022 and anything that caused you angst or misery, leave it in the past and move on. 
um, bookways. I'm a complete bookworm, a complete <laughs> geek. I can't think of one off the top of my head. There's, I suppose, a good one for for all what's going on at the minute. You know that we do come across um, obstacles in life. There's a book by Ryan Holiday called "The Obstacle Is the Way," okay. and he he gets people to develop a practice to see see things not as a failure but as a lesson, and like almost that the lesson then becomes a blessing. And he refers to a lot of like elites in society whether it's sports or business you know points out a lot of autobiographies that these people went through really testing measures and through it they evolved as a better person so he is almost saying well see all these obstacles as a where can you learn from them where can you better yourself from it yeah and it's easy read book he's a, he's a good author and yeah it's a good start i suppose great i'll put that in the bio section for yeah, people yeah to, to find it. Is. and so if people want to find you online, yeah. obviously you're on Instagram. Instagram, Facebook is Natural Resilience. Um, I always forget I have Twitter and I don't really use it that much. Or LinkedIn is Kieran May. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And you've got your website. Got the website. It's it's currently being um, done up again. So okay. it's 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 changing because the centre's going to open. Okay. But yeah, naturalresilience.co.uk. Yeah. Um, there is basic information on there about what natural resilience is and about me, but. The, the dates and that haven't been updated simply because it all needs redone again with the, the new place opening. Yeah, but, so social's probably the best way yeah, to get you. Yeah, yeah, at the minute. And yeah, so you can get in touch with Karen if you want to find out more about like his upcoming events and workshops and um, one-to-ones. And yeah, whatever. and even yeah. for people that, that do think, to one, what I would like to try that, I would like to try and get out more. Mm-hmm. On the story section of the Instagram page, we regularly post up like free hikes, dips. Yeah. We're doing one on Christmas Eve. Um, oh, Helen's Bay at half nine in the morning. It's free for everyone. Just bring a Santa hat Amazing. and a flask. Yeah, yeah. we've we've did we did we did a huge free beach event in November. Um, we did another huge one. I think we're over hundred people turned up both on World Mental Health Day Amazing. in October. So just keep up the date that with was it. a big you had a big big crowd there didn't yeah you? i think that was <coughs> about 120. wow yeah i remember seeing mm. a that actually yeah and this yeah. is the thing because pe- people people want to be around like-minded people mm-hmm. that want human connection it's, it's soul food yeah it, it really, really is really is mm-hmm. and it's fairly important yeah well thank you thank you very much thank you so much um thanks for having me and thanks for the biscuits you're welcome <laughs> thanks for the coffee <laughs>